0: Hello and welcome to the tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vasa. Hi, Roxanne.
1: Hi, Neil. So, this week we will cover Bitcoin in Europe with the arrival of Circle and more. We'll discuss the layoffs at Nokia, which uh, sound pretty massive. We'll talk about an Israeli startup this week, Twiggle, that raised $2.5 million to compete with Amazon in product search. Editor Robin interviews Project A Ventures, and we wrap it up with a look at startup demographics and whether we're all just a bunch of rich, white, well-educated folks. <laughs> So let's get started with Bitcoin. The UK's Financial Conduct Authority and Barclays opened up to Circle. So that's a startup where users use Bitcoin to send each other payments. For anyone who doesn't know the startup, it was actually the first company to receive a Bit license in the state of New York, which I guess is considered the most restrictive state regulation for Bitcoin. Now Circle users in the UK can use the company's app to transfer British sterling for free. Apparently, the FCA has approved 80 licenses for money transfer companies since 2011, but hasn't confirmed yet if this is the first one to use Bitcoin or not. Most likely is. Circle has raised over $50 million in the US with Goldman Sachs. Many people in the UK feel that the FCA and Barclays opening up to Circle could be a huge turning point for Bitcoin in the UK. And maybe this was also a sign for the rest of Europe. German Bitcoin startup Bitwalla announced the following day that it had secured a seed round of 800k, although the round was probably closed the previous month. Similar to Circle, Bitwalla is a bill pay and money transfer service that uses Bitcoin This round was backed by German fund HTGF. They also invested in Six Wonder Kinder and the Digital Currency Group. Another person who was in that round was Barry Silbert, who is the founder of Second Market and the Bitcoin Trust. So I'm pretty sure we're going to see more Bitcoin in Europe after these two events.
0: Yeah, I mean actually I was quite surprised by this because I thought Bitcoin was over, or at least kind of the hype behind it had definitely calmed down. And there'd been a lot of talk about whether, you know, the whole the whole thing could collapse. For me, I was quite surprised to to kind of see these big developments. Also, it was it coincided with something I saw from Mattermark, who actually said Bitcoin investment is up globally for the first time in quite some time. So clearly bitcoin does have issues it still has massive potential and this appears to to still be drawing investors in so i think even though the hype has died down there perhaps that's even better for bitcoin to be honest and now you know people who operate operating in startups in the Bitcoin space can kind of have kind of less of a, a spotlight on them but still able to get on with what they're doing uh, so it will be interested to kind of see this kind of almost resurgence of, of kind of interest and investment in Bitcoin I mean and you'd think I mean in general Europe is kind of less heavily heavy on the, the financial regulations one of the reasons why fintech does so well in Europe because it's a little bit easier to scale a fintech startup in Europe than it is in the US due to regulations so you would think that we would also kind of apply that to, to Bitcoin as well. So yeah, I mean, I think Europe is, is kind of well positioned to, to kind of continue to be a big player in Bitcoin, if the whole kind of concept is able to kind of keep strong and keep going.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I thought it was over too. So I think this is a, a really good sign. I think we'll probably uh, continue to see things like this moving forward. Now, Nokia's layoffs, not really a surprise anymore, I guess. They've announced another round of global layoffs following the merger with Alcatel-Lucent as part of a cost savings plan to save 900 million euros. Obviously, that's not all in the layoffs, but that's a huge part of it. It's kind of difficult to find overall numbers, but different sources mentioned that layoffs should be happening in roughly 30 countries, could mean as many as 15,000 jobs or 14% of Nokia's global workforce. So breakdown, this means roughly 1,300 jobs in Finland alone, so that's just under 20% of the 6,850 employees that they have in Finland approximately half of Finland's population. No, I'm I'm just kidding. It's actually a population of 5.4 million. It was also just under 30% of the German office is going to be cut. In France, the situation is interesting as well. It looks like they're cutting 400 jobs. They're also hiring 500 people in R&D as part of a deal with the French government to keep 4,200 jobs in the country for at least two years after the Alcatel deal goes through. So that's a sounds like a very thing that we see in france i'm wondering though like what does this actually mean for the ecosystem yeah
0: i mean you joke about it being half of finland's population there's certainly no other company that has kind of a bigger impact on finland than nokia in many ways over the years I mean, you know, most people do end up working there in some, in some shape or form, or at least do have kind of a family member. Even, even my uncle has worked at Nokia. So they're one of those companies that does have a huge impact in Finland and in Europe. So yeah, I, I mean, it's a joke, but also they, they really do kind of have this. Kind of hold over Finland, so yeah, I mean, I think this news is is really bad for Finland. But at the same time, we can look at it as a, in a positive way. I mean, it's thirteen hundred people with with kind of good, strong experience in a big tech company. So you know, we can hope that a lot of these people find their way into kind of the the startup scene or the tech you know the general tech scene Uh, and i think that's more likely these days in finland i mean with with kind of the success of slush as well you know tech and startups is a real job option Uh, kind of people before you know in in finland especially they'd want to work for mckinsey or one of the big consulting firms and with the success of rovio companies like that supercell now you know most kids in school they want to end up working for one of these companies so there's been a kind of big shift in finland i mean i think that, that finland has been benefited before from layoffs at nokia and kind of the collapse of nokia could be argued as one of the best ever things to happen to finland's tech startup scene so yeah there's some positives to be taken from the negative but i do you know 1300 people losing their jobs it, it you know you can never call that a good thing
1: yeah i find that really interesting that you said this the collapse of nokia could be one of the best things to ever happen to finland I think you have a really good point with regards to the ecosystem, with regards to that talent that's now available. I'd actually heard someone say a while ago that a lot of the new generation of startups that we're seeing today in that region, it's all kind of ex-Nokia, maybe even some ex-Skype, some ex-Angry Birds. and Skype isn't actually from Finland, but just kind of all over that region that once you have these big companies like that and people start leaving, then you end up getting newer talent in young startups. So we'll have to see what happens there. Hopefully not as bad as it sounds. So now we've rarely covered Israeli startups on the show, but I guess everyone knows that doesn't mean there isn't anything happen in Israel. It's actually quite the opposite. So this week, Israeli-based Twiggle raised $12.5 to compete with Amazon in product search. Definitely sounds ambitious to me. The company defines itself as a digital commerce search engine powered by data science, AI, and machine learning. So definitely heavy on the tech side. Funds will be used to continue to challenge Amazon's A9 product search engine and to continue international expansion. So what's interesting is that they have a very international group of investors in this round. They have NASPERS, which is South African. They have Yahoo Japan. They have an Israeli fund called State of Mind Ventures. They have Sir Ronald Cohen, who I didn't know. I'm really embarrassed because when you look up his profile, he's been described as none other than the father of British venture capital. So I think very, very kind of eclectic group of investors in this last round, but definitely will help them if they're expanding internationally. Company founded in 2013, but it still seems to be developing its product. You can't really find a, a test or anything on the website. There's, I haven't been able to confirm anyone that's currently using it. But their approach, I guess, when you kind of like read about it, seems to be to make search much more human, a natural extension of ourselves. That's essentially how uh, Israeli blog Geek Time described it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this kind of this round is kind of it's almost like a typical Israeli round, at least how I kind of view Israel. I mean, it's like a big amount of money for a startup that's you know it's only a couple years old, basically. So it's able to raise big money, which you know, in Israel is able to attract a lot of venture capital. And it's extremely ambitious, like you say, it's going to compete with Amazon. And and that's kind of symbolic, I don't know if symbolic is exactly the right word. But it's so typical, in my view, at least, of of kind of how I viewed Israeli scene, it's a scene which is able to raise money. And it's a scene which is really ambitious. And the startups, they go for these kind of big companies, and they kind of compete, you know, they're not scared to go and compete with Amazon. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting in that way. And I think Israel's scene is one of definitely one of the more ambitious ones that we do have in Europe. So it's, it's always interesting to hear these, of these companies that you, you, know, you don't hear of them. And then all of a sudden, they've raised a big amount of money and they're going for Amazon. So yeah, I, I'm always impressed by Israeli ambition.
1: And had you heard of this Sir Ronald Cohen before this round?
0: No, I did not know the father of British venture capital.
1: We should get him to some event. I don't know why we've never spoken about him before. His (laughs) his background is insane. I encourage all of our listeners to go check him out on Wikipedia. So now we have our editor, Robin, interviewing Germany's Project A ventures.
2: Hey, this is uh, Robin Walters from TechU. I'm here with Florian from Project A. What's Project A?
1: Yeah, for so
3: Project A, we, have, we try or we intend to be an operational VC. So, we have a fund of 80 million euros, uh, currently in process of raising a second fund that will be slightly bigger. And uh, we give capital, but we also provide operational support to the companies we, we invest in. So, we have a fairly large operational team, 90 people uh, in various areas, and we, we support the portfolio companies that we invest in. Right. And you're based out of? Berlin. So, Do you have offices elsewhere? or is it uh, A small office in Brazil. Yeah, where we have five portfolio companies as well. So if you're interested in Latin America, we're also your go-to guy. Yeah, got it. Okay. Um, you mentioned ninety people. Yeah, as operational for a relatively young VC firm. How does that work? Lots of demand for operational expertise. So it's it's like half of those guys are roughly programmers, product managers. Then you have a fairly large team of marketing, CRM, BI guys, and then HR recruiting and uh, what what we see is that across portfolio of now 35 companies, there's always a lot of demand for, for the various competencies. So we define projects with uh, portfolio companies and like developing a data warehouse, and then we build joint teams of people from the portfolio companies plus our experts, and then, then they develop things together. So the goal is not that we are an agency for them or that we replace any kind of people at, at the portfolio companies, but rather that we build things together, systems or competencies, and always in a joint kind of kind of way. And um, our feeling is that it leads to a better development or better configuration of the companies if you do that, especially early stage, right? I mean, it's that's why our focus is also early because I think the, the main value of doing this is, is doing it at an early stage of a company so that they just build a better foundation for, for scaling.
2: Interesting, I think very remarkable. Have you seen any other European VCs operate in the same way? Like not, not really with,
3: not with close to
2: 100 people, I'm sure.
3: Uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> Um, and um, uh, it's it's not easy to manage. Also, I mean that that's that's. But I think that's the thing that differentiates us, right? So you r- yeah. rather get that done. Yeah,
2: for all of the cities in Europe that say they're different, you're actually doing something. We different.
3: we are different, but, and we think it's a good idea. And I think uh, the first signs of of uh, us being around you now for four and a half years looks that it's not the stupidest idea uh, to mm-hmm. do this. But obviously, I mean, we, we, have, uh, we always have to prove it and we always have to uh, uh, continuously improve our infrastructure and, and the people that are working for us. So, so that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, we, that's what we're working on the hardest yeah. is always trying to, to, to be on top of the knowledge curve in, uh, in the various areas we're active in. Very interesting. You get 30 seconds
2: to promote some of the companies you've invested in. So go. What are your portfolio
3: hotshots? Uh, Katawiki is definitely uh, from Amsterdam. It's a very cool company, co-investment with Excel and Leadedge. eBay 2.0, the much better marketplace for collectibles. Then uh, NU3, nutrition supplements. So if you want to be healthier, better looking, <laughs> Just feeling today. better, you definitely find products at NU3.de NU3. or com, whatever. So that uh, that's also co-investment with Lakestar. Very happy about it. Great you have, company. You have time for one more. IOTA. <laughs> IOTA is the leading marketplace for real-time advertising programmatic user profiles, so very sexy product if you cannot uh, really find a way to food.
2: <laughs> Well done. You're well prepared as well. they have seen the venture capital scene in Berlin specifically mm-hmm. change over the last few years quite significantly, and, and also in the last 12 months really. So how
3: do you see that from, from an inside perspective? What do you see happening here? You see several new funds arising, I think, with very interesting concepts and very interesting people that have have done it. And I think that's good because, I mean, there there also have been more and more funds from London coming to Berlin on a regular basis, but I think it's very good if you also have a Berlin scene developing naturally and you have people like Blue Yard with Kieran and you have Point9 raising their second fund, you have Cherry Ventures. So I think a lot of very good operationally skilled guys and very good investors and I think that's very good for the ecosystem, very good for the companies if you have more choice and more diverse scene of investors. You have Lakestar obviously, uh, and we raised the second fund. So I think it's, uh, it's a great development that we see and we hope that it will continue this way. And what's lacking in Berlin
2: right now? What do you see in the ecosystem that's really missing?
3: I think what's slowly developing is more hardcore tech companies. And I think if you look at Germany's engineering heritage, you would expect Germany to be, you know, not like Israel probably, but a little less B2C focused, more tech focused, more B2B focused. and I think that's slowly emerging. You'll see more more of those companies, but I think if you look at, at, at what the, the tech universities we have here in Germany, I think you will you'll will see a lot more of that. So more hardcore engineers trying to to establish uh, digital startups, and I think that will be a very enriching kind of part part of the environment. Um, And I think what we're also still lacking is is pre-Series A and Series A capital. There's uh, there's still a shortage of that if you compare it to other uh, uh, ecosystems. I mean, if you compare it to the London ecosystem, that's still lacking. So I think there's still a lot of entrepreneurial expertise that gets cut out pre-series A, because they're not able to raise a series A. And I think um, there's still a shortage of that, but uh, the funds we just talked about, I mean, are solving part of that problem. But I think if you you think about the diversity of the ecosystem uh, in, in that sense in London, um, uh, I think there's still, still a there
2: yeah. yeah, Got it. You have 30 seconds to promote uh, your portfolio. Now you get 20 seconds to explain to me the biggest miss. I'm not sure you're familiar with the term anti-portfolio, but basically <laughs> Absolutely. something you, you you missed. You could have invested in me, you have
3: We talked fairly early to Naveen from, from GoEuro. And yeah. Uh, Never and got
2: around to investing. We didn't do it.
3: And I think the other company that we talked to very early and we didn't do was Adjust. Oh, yeah. Yeah? So we talked to Adjust before that pivot to the model that they currently have. And I didn't. I saw the brilliance of the guy, but I didn't foresee the, the, the <laughs> pivot. So I think that's, that's definitely, I mean, you never know whether we would have come to invest, but we talked to the companies really early and uh, we didn't follow through for various reasons. And I think that's definitely something that, that we missed, yeah. Very good. Florian, uh, good to catch up
2: and best of luck with the fund.
3: Cheers. Thank you.
0: Yes, great to hear from Project A Ventures and of course to have Robin on the podcast again.
1: So finally, we're going to wrap it up with a question about diversity in the startup ecosystem. And no, this isn't me talking about women in tech yet again. Actually, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I was contacted by a journalist this week who asked me what I felt like was a really odd question until I realized it actually may be true and that is, is our ecosystem predominantly people with a similar education level coming from kind of similar institutions? I guess in France, we see a lot of people coming from business schools. They all come from also obviously technical universities, but a little bit less. And then these are obviously people who have financial means to go to these institutions, and then generally also a young kind of younger white population, at least with regards to France. And then as he started questioning me about the kind of atypical profiles of entrepreneurs that I've seen, I realized I actually haven't seen that many. I have people who are maybe a little bit more experienced. They worked for a company or two, maybe kind of an immigration background, but they're also still very well-educated, similar social class. So Neil, what do you think about this?
0: Yeah, I guess it is true. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I certainly think in terms of diversity, in terms of race, yeah, there's, there's a clear issue there. Most people in the tech scene are white. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's very hard to, to kind of disagree with that. I would say education level, I don't think it is so much of a kind of issue. At least I don't know the education level of, you know, my peers of people in the scene. I mean, I imagine most of them are a kind of degree level, but that would just be a guess and the the reason why I make that point is I think that it doesn't matter so much what the education level of so, you know it's possible that everyone does have a similar education level, but I don't think that it matters or that it is a thing because i don't i don't have a clue of you know who's educated to what i didn't actually ever complete my degree so i can i can certainly kind of stick my hand up and say i'm i'm not one of the the usual profiles if if we're assuming that everyone is kind of degree educated similar social class yeah i mean i guess so but i i think that maybe not everyone came from the same social class but essentially we are in the same social class by kind of being in the tech scene. I think most people are in a similar kind of social class just because that's who you're then hanging around with. So I don't think there's necessarily an issue here, apart from kind of race and and gender. But in terms of kind of education, stuff like that, I don't feel like there's barriers to change. So I guess that's kind of how I feel about it is yes, there may be a lot of people who are kind of fairly similar, but I don't think that we're necessarily putting barriers in place to ensure that it stays like that or that, that we're not encouraging diversity, if you see what I mean.
1: So, yeah, I think this probably really depends a lot on the country. Like I can see uh, huge differences actually between London and Paris. I think when you go to London, you actually come across a lot of people from very different backgrounds. You have a lot of immigrants that have gone to London and launched companies. With regards to education level, I do find that we don't I mean I, I didn't realize Neil that you're not a degree holder because you seem to me like a degree holder. Um, so I think that's a really interesting point that you made. But when we talk to a lot of these young startup founders, a lot of them, I mean, I don't think I've come across anybody who's like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, you know, dropout style. And then not anybody who's actually coming from a really kind of poor socioeconomic background and trying to kind of innovate their way out of it. So that is something I would still really like to see. And I think hopefully we have a lot of social projects that today are starting to work with those populations as well.
0: Definitely. I think that's definitely a a kind of promising thing for for the ecosystem to have. And, you know, I I think diversity in all aspects is only going to be a positive one uh, for the ecosystem. It just naturally means kind of more points of view, more skills. So I think that the ecosystem will certainly benefit from having diversity across all fields and levels and and race and gender and education and everything. So, yeah, I, I always think diversity is a good thing so that's it for this week we'll of course be back next week you can follow the podcast subscribe to it on itunes soundcloud and Acast. please give us your feedback let us know what you thought of this week's podcast or if there was anything that you thought was particularly controversial or wrong or you particularly enjoyed do let us know we're on twitter at neil sw murray or at roxanne barza and at tech underscore eu and of course the website is tech.eu thanks roxanne
1: thanks 行